do this. Langford took his time folding the mark and rising from the table, ignoring his son. Instead, he leveled Bourne with a cool look. You should thank me for teaching you such a valuable lesson at such a young age. Unfortunately, now you've nothing but the clothes on your back and a manor house empty of its contents. The Viscount cast a glance at the pile of coins on the table, the remainder of his winnings from the evening. I shall leave you the money. How's that? A parting gift, if you will. After all, what would your father say if I left you with nothing? Bourne shot up from his chair, knocking it back from the table. You aren't fit to speak of my father! Langford raised an eyebrow at the uncontrolled display, and he let silence reign for a long moment. You know, I believe I shall take the money after all, and your membership to this club. It is time for you to leave. Bourne's cheeks flamed as the words washed over him. His club membership, his land, servants, horses, clothes, everything. Everything but a house, a few acres of land, and a title. A title now in disgrace. The Viscount lifted one side of his mouth in a mocking smile and flipped a guinea through the air toward Bourne, who instinctively reached out, catching the gold coin as it glinted in the bright lights of White's cardroom. Spend it wisely, boy. It's the last you'll have from me. Father, Tommy tried again. Langford turned on him. Not another word. I won't have you begging for him. Bourne's oldest friend turned sad eyes on him, lifting his hands in a sign of helplessness. Tommy needed his father, needed his money, his support, things Bourne no longer had himself. Hatred flared hot and bright for the briefest of moments, before it was gone, extinguished by cold resolve, and Bourne placed the coin in his pocket and turned his back on his peers, his club, his world, and the life he had always known, vowing revenge. Chapter One Early January, 1831 He did not move when he heard the door to the private room open and close quietly. He stood in the darkness, silhouetted by the painted window, overlooking the main room of London's most exclusive gaming hell. From the club floor, the window appeared as nothing but a stunning work of art, a massive piece of stained glass depicting the fall of Lucifer. In brilliant hues, the enormous angel, six times the size of the average man, tumbled toward the pit floor, cast into London's dark corners by heaven's army. The fallen angel. A reminder not simply of the name of the club, but of the risk that those who entered took as they set their marks to the plush bays, as they lifted the ivory dice, as they watched the roulette wheel turn in a blur of colour and temptation. And when the angel won, as it always did, the glass reminded those who lost of how far they had fallen. Bourne's gaze flickered to a piquet table at the far end of the pit. Croix wants his line increased. The pit manager did not move from his place just inside the door to the owner's suite. 
Yes. He owes more than he will ever be able to repay. Yes. Bourne turned his head, meeting the shadowed gaze of his most trusted employee. What is he willing to place against an extended line? Two hundred acres in Wales. Bourne watched the lord in question, who was sweating and twitching nervously as he waited for judgment to be passed. Extend the line. When he loses, see him out. His membership is revoked. His decisions were rarely questioned, and never by the staff of the angel. The other man headed for the door as quietly as he had entered. Before he could leave, Bourne said, Justin. Silence. The land, first. The soft click of door meeting jam was the only indication that the pit manager had been there at all.